Welcome tonight. It's good to have you here. Midweek services. Our study now in Acts, we'll be looking at Acts chapter 11, so turn there in your Bibles. We've looked at going through the book of Acts with a thought in mind, and so we pray, and so we pray. It's an appropriate theme. It goes along with the start of the, the church, and we see the reasons, various reasons for prayer as we come together for Wednesday prayer, that we can pray things that prompted the early believers to pray are some of the same things that prompt us to pray now. We're encouraged to, to pray. <clears throat> in Acts chapter 10 last week, we, we saw um, that part of history where God is taking the gospel out to the Gentiles. And we recount that history in Acts chapter 11 as well because the same thing happens. Peter has... Uh, had a vision from God. He had a vision um, that he did not understand. At the same time, God had sent an angel to a Gentile man whose name was Cornelius, and God had given him a, a message, and it was an incomplete message. It's something he didn't totally understand. He was just told that he should send his servants to uh, the city of Joppa, and there they would find Peter, and Peter would he, he should ask Peter to come to his house and give him the message. Say, what message? Cornelius didn't know what was going on. And then Peter was told while he was praying, he had this vision of this sheet come down from heaven with all kinds of animals on it, animals that Israel was forbidden to make food from. And he was commanded by God to take from these animals and make food. And he said, well, no, God... I've, I've never eaten anything that was unclean. And God told him, he says, don't you call anything that I have cleansed clean. So this is a confusing message to, to Peter, um, and he didn't know what to do with it. So while he was thinking on these things, um, he woke up from his trance, um, and, and uh, some men were at his door, and the, the, the Holy Spirit told him, look, these men are coming for you. I want you to go with them. And so they told him that Cornelius had sent them. And um, so he said, Peter agreed to go with them. Not only did he go with them, but he took six men from that household with him to go down with these men to, to Cornelius' house. So they went down to Cornelius' house. And Cornelius basically said to Peter, hey, look, God told me to send for you, that you had something to tell me. So what is, what is it? And now, at this moment, Peter begins to share. And now it comes together what had happened. What he understood now that the vision of these unclean or forbidden animals that, that were, weren't allowed to be eaten, that God was saying that they are now allowed. He understood that to mean, in fact, we can, we can read <coughs> what he understood that to mean. Uh, in, in Acts 11, verse 9, he says, The voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, he says, <coughs>
verse 13, and he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? So, in chapter 11, Peter is retelling this story. Now, why is he retelling this story? In chapter 10, we saw that Gentiles were beginning to hear the word of God, hear the gospel, and they were being saved. And when they were being saved, God sent to them the same Holy Spirit that he had sent to the apostles when that happened with them. And so Peter is convinced that God has done something new and something different in sending the gospel to the Gentiles. And they should, and they have been given the same Holy Spirit that the Jewish believers had been given. <clears throat> this bothered the Jewish believers at first. So in chapter 11, they questioned Peter about this. And Peter comes to Jerusalem, and he begins to answer questions to them. And in answering the questions, he gives them this story, explaining what had God has done in his life. Let me pause there for just a second. This is what a testimony is. This is what a testimony is. People don't know what's going on in our life. They don't know how God has worked. We simply tell them how God has worked in our lives. You should be able to tell that because it's your life. It's happened to you, and you can speak that truth to them. And so that's what Peter begins to do. He says, look, I don't know all the answers. All I can tell you is what God has done to me, what he has said to me and what happened to me. And that's what Peter does. So he recounts this story to the Jewish believers in Jerusalem. Look at verse 2. We'll go back a little bit. I'm in Acts chapter 11, verse 2. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. And he goes and tells the story that I, <coughs> that I just mentioned. <coughs> Excuse me. He goes and tells the story that I just mentioned. And so, look at their response. <coughs> Verse 18. When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, <coughs> Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. It's an amazing thing. They recognize what God has done. Notice how it's stated here. God has granted repentance. He's given this to the Gentiles. This is the repentance that leads to life. That's an explanation of salvation. But it's worded a little differently than we often hear it today. But we, did, we need to take note of it. Again, that's verse 18. To the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. What is repentance? 
Go ahead. Confess and turning from sin to God. That's it. That's it. It's a turning from and it's a turning to. It's not just a turning from, but it's also a turning from and a turning to. Um, some people in the, in, in the world want to stop doing certain things, want to change their habits, and they only get it half right. Or they stop doing something. That's not enough. Jesus told the story, remember, of the evil spirits that were swept clean from a man's life. And then after he wandered around with his swept clean life, so to speak, other evil spirits said, hmm, that looks like a good place to live. We'll move in there. It's a nice clean house. Let's go in there. And so they did. The, 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 The moral to that story is if it's not God who's done the work, when God does the work, he not only sweeps clean, he sweeps clean so he can occupy. The Holy Spirit comes in to live within us, and now he controls us. And so repentance is a turning from sin and a turning to God. Notice how it's described here, repentance that God grants. It is a work of God for us to repent. It is something that is a miracle that is his doing. God has granted the Gentiles this. That's why the Jews couldn't reject it. They, they didn't see that the Gentiles were doing this on their own. God did this. And notice this repentance is a lasting repentance. It's, it's a repentance that leads to life. Talk to some people who've gone through different rehab programs and ask them, how many times you've been through rehab? Two times, three times, four times, five times, six times? That doesn't sound like a repentance that leads to life. His is a repentance that leads to life. It puts us on that cycle of life, of obedience to God. So we see that happening here. What would prompt us from this story, what what would this story prompt us to pray for? What kind of things would we be reminded of to pray for in our lives because of this story? Remember, prayers aren't always gimme, gimme, gimme. Here's another type of prayer. What is it? For people to repent? Or what other kind of prayer is it? Intercession, what other kind of prayer is it? Huh? Thankfulness. Thankfulness. Intercession. Repentance, yes. So what kind of things would this prompt us to pray for? Let's be a little more specific. So what what are some of those? Brother Dick? I would say Alright, so we can pray for us taking the word out as God has directed others to hear this word. He's directed that hearing to come from us, come by way of us, by us telling them. What else? How many Gentiles here today? Who's not a Gentile? All right, so we're all Gentiles. Yes, we are. Either you're a Jew or you're a Gentile, right? Those are two... Those are two categories in the, in the New Testament, in the Old Testament as well. 
That's their view of the world. So, what can Gentiles say about this? Thank you. Praise God. Salvation has come to the Gentiles so we can have prayer of thanks, can't we? God, I thank you that your word has gone out and reached out and touched my life. And now, let me be busy um, seeing that I'm a part of that word going out and reaching out and touching others. We can also recognize that God is the one that does the work, right? God grants the repentance, right? So I can thank God I don't have to do that. I don't have to grant repent. I don't have the power to do that. I don't have to do that. I just have to speak forth the word. I just have to open my mouth. I need to tell people the gospel. I need to present that gospel when I have opportunities. You can see how God laid it out for Peter. God made the appointment for Peter. God checked with Cornelius to, 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 to reassure that. And he simply like just set the alarm for Peter. Wake up, man. It's time to go, right? He set it all in order. And we, Peter just needed to get there and open his mouth and speak, right? Just walk in obedience to God. God helped me to recognize those opportunities and to be willing to, to speak in that moment. Now, some of us say, I'm, I'm a little scared to speak, right? I don't know quite what to say. Well, maybe you can take care of some of that on Sunday, Sunday school, right? Understanding a little bit more about God's Word, taking it in, taking notes so you can see. Take notes of thinking in ways of how does this apply, how would this help me in, in my particular situation? How does God want me to give my testimony to that person that I come in contact with? And so they prayed, and so we need to pray. God's word continues to go out to Jew and Gentile. In other words, to all, every single uh, uh, people group in the world. And he's doing that through me and through you. God is faithful. Automatic. That's understood. Pray that we would be faithful as God is in getting that word out. In our time of meditation, we're going through Ezekiel, chapter 33. And so, one of the things when we meditate, what we want to do is, we want to clear our minds of any distractions that we might have. One of the things about Christian meditation that I believe is so cool is, we are clearing our minds of unnecessary distractions, but we're focusing, we're honing our minds on God's truth. So it's important for us to recognize where we're at, recognize our own mental state, our own spiritual state. What, what's going on with us today? What's going on? Are you angry? Are you sad? Are you happy? Are you joyful? What's the struggles for today? What is God teaching you today? Why did he bring you here today? What is he trying to show you today? What did he show you through what the pastor already spoke? Did he talk to you specifically? What did you see in Acts? What have you been reading? What have you been going through? What has God been teaching you in your own life? A lot of times, God will take 
all the different things that we experience and all the different ways we experience his word and he'll meld them together in his own and make his own specific message for us but that's only if we're listening it says the word of the Lord came to me son of man speak to your people and say to them if I bring the sword upon a land and the people of the land take a man from among them and make him their watchman and if he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows a trumpet and warns the people then if anyone hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning and the sword comes and takes him away his blood shall be upon his own head he heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take warning his blood shall be upon himself but if he had taken warning he would have saved his life but if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes any of them that person is take away, taken away in his iniquity but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand so you son of man I have made a watchman for the house of Israel whenever you hear a word from my mouth you should give them warning from me if I say to the wicked O oh, wicked one you should surely die and you do not warn the wicked to turn from his way that wicked person shall die in his iniquity but his blood I will require at your hand but if you warn the wicked to turn from his way and he does not turn from his way that picket person shall die in his iniquity but you will have delivered his soul what was Ezekiel called to do to warn the people What was the analogy that God used? What kind of job? A watchman. If a person was to die and get killed by the sword, this is a trick question, so listen carefully. If the person was to get killed by the sword and the watchman didn't warn him, why did that person die? situations whether their warning came or whether the warning did not come why did the person die why did they die because they own iniquity right everybody is responsible for their own situation everybody else is responsible for their own moral direction everybody in this world is responsible for where they end up if they end up in hell that's on them they end up in heaven, that's on them. What's the responsibility of the watchman then? To tell them and say, thus saith the Lord, right? He says this, son of, so you son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel, Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. Let's explain what is Ezekiel's job. I think 
think there's one part that's really important that we could easily miss. What does he first have to do? Hmm? First thing is has to be the hearing. He has to receive God's word. And I think that's the, the first thing, um, the most important. Every single prophecy does not start with, and he prepared to speak. Every prophecy says, and God said, and the word of the Lord came to me. And this is one thing that I think is really important because a lot of people come to church, and Ecclesiastes 5 talks about this. A lot of people come to talk. There is no talking that's approved by God that doesn't first start with listening. The only one who could speak without listening is God. He said that there be light and there was light. He didn't have to listen, right? He didn't need any guidance. He said that in the prior. He said, who, who told me how to create? Who told me where to end the oceans? Who told me how to big to make the dinosaurs? So God is the only one who starts speaking and doesn't need to listen. Besides him, all of us are echoes of what God is. We're transceivers, right? We first have to receive and then we have to transmit. It's a really important uh, part of the job. So the first part is listening. Then what's the second part? Everybody was saying it already. You got to speak it. You got to speak whatever God has said, right? And it's a warning. One thing I think we as a church it's a benefit and a curse. We hear God's word clearly taught. That's a benefit. It's a curse because we're responsible for that word. And since it's so clearly taught, there's no excuse for us not to clearly take it to somebody else. In other words, we're just waiters. We don't have to cook the pizza. We don't have to eat the pizza. But we just got to take it to the table, right? That's all we got to do. So we have a very simple task. I thank God for that task, but it's an important task. When I look at our culture, there's a lot of wickedness that goes on. I think some people, when you tell them to come to church, they think they're doing you a favor. You're not doing me a favor. I'm already here. You're doing you a favor. Because the judgment of God has already gone out. And the thing that I fear the most is the people that I see coming to church that be fake, not listening to God's word, not listening to God's truths. Because it's even worse than not being at church at all, because now you're accountable for what you done heard. So I pray that that word that we hear, we will be effective listeners. And that we would take that word with the thought that yes, yeah, for me, but it's also for all those who I care about. Amen. Good evening, good evening. So, uh, we had a prayer service at work today, and I thought this was appropriate, so I brought it tonight. And it talks about praying for each other. And 
there are a few verses that speak to that, and I'd just like to take a minute to read them. And then I have three points of emphasis for us to, to concentrate on tonight. Um, in James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. James chapter 5, verse 16. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Pastor talked about that early, earlier. I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. And then in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it says this, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all per perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. This is saying that you're always supposed to be in a prayer posture. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. And then in Colossians chapter 1 verse 9, it says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with all knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Colossians 1.9. And then in Romans 15, verse 30, it says, I appeal to you, brethren, by our God, by our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. And then finally in Colossians chapter 4 verse 3, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. This is Paul's letter to the Colossians. It's, it feels good when you know somebody is praying for you. And uh, I, I hear Beverly saying, if you talk to Beverly, she'll say, I prayed for you this morning. That's a good feeling when we know someone is praying for us. And we're supposed to pray for each other. And I have this weird thing about praying for myself. It seems like I'm cheating for some reason when I'm praying for myself, but I know I should pray for myself, but I don't have a problem praying for other people, but praying for myself seems like cheating for some reason. I know it's not true, but so I have three topics tonight that uh, I'm going to ask three different people to pray for. I want us to pray for our ministry needs here at church. And I'm going to ask wherever the Lord leads you to pray for that ministry need. It might be we have a lot of events coming up. Um, so ministry needs that the, the Lord will lay on our heart. 
I would like to pray for. And then I would like to play, pray specifically for, for uh, sickness. Some of our members aren't feeling well. Uh, Bob Kenner made it home from uh, the hospital today. So we'll pray for him. And Mrs. Kenner, um, what a picture of faithfulness and care that we could all, um, you know, take note of. And then for Jackie, who, who Max said wasn't feeling good tonight. So we're going to pray for ministry needs and people amongst us who are sick, specifically the Kenners and, and Jackie. And then I like to pray for, for our outreach. And I remember a time we were praying specifically for a certain number of families. And God wants us to be specific. So let's pray for outreach. I'm going to ask three people to pray. I kind of picked them because if I asked for three volunteers, I don't think we got that much time. That's, that's supposed to be funny. Uh, so I'm going to ask Mickey to pray for our, for our ministry needs. And I'm going to ask, I want to ask Nick. Nick, if you'll pray for members among us who are sick. And uh, Dale, if you'll pray for outreach. And then I'll, I'll end us up. So ministry needs this sweet communion. Uh, those among us who are sick, specifically the Kenners, Jackie Holt, and then for outreach, and then I'll, I'll end us up. Lord God, we come before you tonight, Lord, as a body of believers, pleading with you and, and begging, Lord, that uh, you hear our prayer tonight, Lord, that you might remove any sinfulness or forgive us for any wickedness that might uh, hinder our prayers, Lord. And we come to you as a ministry, a church tonight, Lord, with unified hearts knit together, asking for your blessings on our ministry, the work you have called right here on 35th Street, Lord. We thank you for uh, the pastor that you've given us. We, we thank you for his wife, and Lord God, we just thank you for the mission that you have called us to do. Uh, we pray, Lord God, that you will empower us, that you would encourage us, Lord, and yet even rebuke us when we need it, Lord, that we might continue the work that you've called us to do. So hear our prayer tonight, Lord, as a group, a body of believers, as we lift it up, asking for your mercy, Lord God, your grace, as we petition you for the things that we've asked for tonight. We ask and we pray all of this in your name. 